At last, a controversial new motion picture that dares to deal with a serious contemporary problem which every man, woman, and child must come to grips with at least once in their lifetime. We make them like this anymore. Why don't you go ahead and sit inside? Go ahead. This new upholstery, only 27,000 miles, and we just gave the engine a complete overhaul yesterday. Go ahead, kick her over. Isn't that the quietest engine you've ever heard in your life? Used cars. Rolling off the blocks this summer into a theater near you. Hey, Stan, trust me, huh? <laughs> Happy motoring, Stan. Trust me. Hey, everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm... Randy? It's been a while, folks, since we've done this, and this is the Cannon Cruisers. And today we're talking about a non-canon film. Yeah, today, actually, yeah, true, you're right. Today is the non-canonical adventures of J.D. and Randy, and we're yeah. talking about 1980s cult classic Robert Zemeckis film written by Bob Gale. And Robert Zemeckis. And Robert Zemeckis starring R Kurt Russell. I'm talking about used cars, people. Yes, his first breakout movie from 1980. This time we're continuing our summer thing where we watch a bunch of non-canon movies and we decided to start with this one for reasons I'm still not quite sure of, but we decided to go with it. It's what I had on hand. The, the, the summer project, or as I, I like to call it, what movies does Randy have lying around? Well, we wanted to do some strange movies this time and this is a pretty strange movie to start off with because it's a 1980s screwball comedy starring Kurt Russell and written by the team behind Back to the Future, so... And as you've noticed, we don't do a lot of comedy, so it's, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing. Yeah, it was an interesting idea, an interesting choice. So, so as we said, it's Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale writing a comedy about the used car business in America. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and this is also one of those movies that falls into the category of, hey, I know that guy, like every yep. actor. Yeah. So, quick cast listing, Kurt Russell playing... Rudy Russo, the man we're supposed to love. The main character. Jack Warden, who plays both Roy L. Fuchs and Luke Fuchs, twins, uh, mm -hmm. one of whom dies early on in the movie. Garrett Graham as Jeff, one of those I know that guys. Mm -hmm. uh, Frank McRae as Jim, another one of those I know those guys. <laughs> uh, Deborah Harmon as Barbara Jane Fuchs. I hope we also know that girl. <laughs> and David L. Lander and Michael McKean as Freddie Paris and Eddie Winslow as we know those guys. And Peanuts as Toby. He's a good doggo. I hate that word. I'm sorry. Uh, would have been better if I had said pupper? No, it would have been just as bad. Uh, Nonetheless, he is probably one of the best characters in the movie. Yeah. So, with that, mm -hmm. Janie, what were your thoughts on this movie? My thoughts of the movie? Are we talking about used cars or are we talking about uh, peanuts? Because I like both of them. Actually, you should probably <laughs> summarize the film first. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded yeah, this is this movie is about a guy who is a used car salesman. So he's a used car salesman. He's good at lying and embellishing the truth. And the owner of the car lot, whose whose lot is uh, opposite a freeway from his brother's car lot, mm -hmm. dies of a stroke that was brought on by his brother hiring a guy to basically kill him. Yeah, it's basically a hired hit, more or less. Because he wants his land because he's... Buying off politicians and he knows there's a freeway coming in? Yeah, so he wants to get ahead of the game. And so what the uh, movie ends up being is a game between uh, Rudy Russo, the main character, and Roy L. Fuchs. Royal Fox. I mean Fuchs. 
uh, the, uh, the bad guy and to who can outwit the other one by the end of the film. It's more or less the, the entire plot of the movie. Meanwhile, they, they have to cover up the death of Luke mm-hmm. and the return of an estranged daughter of Luke yeah. coming in and upsetting all their plans. Yeah, and at the same time, they take several shots and then they fall at uh, Royal Fuchs' uh, lot at the same time. So there's and a lot of that as well. This movie is like a biting satire of American culture in many ways. Uh, as seen through the used car industry, all politicians are corrupt. All police are corrupt. Um, uh, the work, the working men are idiots, uh, and the used car men are. It's a black comedy, more or less. Very much so. Although it works out in its favor because it's uh, it's very well written and it's very funny. Very funny, actually. So the budget for this film was $8 million. And mm-hmm. even though it wasn't super successful at the time, it had made a, at its box office mm-hmm. $11.7 million, which is fair, fairly good for a 1980 movie. Yeah, it's uh, it was the first movie Robert Zemeckis put out in the theaters. He did one before this, which was I Want to Hold Your Hand, a smaller thing he did by himself, more or less. And we're literally... Um, 12 days away from its uh, 39th anniversary of release. Yeah. This, and this As was, of this recording. And if, I, I guess I should say it, if you don't know who Robert Zemeckis is, after this movie, he would do a movie called Romancing the Stone. And if you don't know what Romancing the Stone is, after that, he did a movie called uh, Back to the Future. It's a cult classic. I don't know if you've heard about <laughs> it. I don't know if you know what Back to the Future is, then you might know what Roger Rabbit is. And if you don't know what Roger Rabbit is, you might know what Forrest Gump is. If you, you know what? You probably know what one of those movies are. Nonetheless, it mostly started with this movie. And I can see why, because it has his touch all over it. So now that we got all our usual stuff out of the way, because I forgot, then now, let's right. go into What do you think of the movie? What did I think of the movie? I already told you what I thought of the movie. I thought it was really funny. I, yeah, I, I went I'm, here hearing about this on other podcasts. And other I things. actually wasn't expecting it to be that, that funny. funny. <laughs> it's been a while since I laughed at, well, I laughed at What About Bob? Yeah, but uh, I mean, but it's, it's when, I, saw, when I heard what type of comedy it was, I figured, okay, I'll probably get a couple laughs out of it. But I'm watching it. But heard, from the first frame, you started getting chuckles. It reminded me more of something like, uh, let's say, a Bill Murray movie like uh, Meatballs, where you're kind of expecting a certain style of humor, but it's just funny. It's like the jokes hit. They know what they're doing. Uh, no scene lasts too long. It goes quick to the next one. And the plot even keeps you guessing and it's it's very clockwork because it's like okay they mention something at the beginning of the movie that becomes important at the end of the movie yeah. they, they 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 do a character through line that becomes important to that character as the movie progresses and as he goes against type for things like you have one character yes. who spoilers is very superstitious about luck mm-hmm. and it, there's it comes a scene where his friend uh bets all the money he has because he needs it so that he can pay off the people that will uh, mm. implement will, that will make him the next uh, senator yeah. of uh, their area. And it turns out he bet against him. And he bet against him. So the only way his friend could win was mm. for the guy who's superstitious was to lose. So he immediately starts upturning salt shakers and, and starts opening umbrellas, opening and umbrellas and doors, <laughs> breaking mirrors, calling under ladders. And every time he does that, Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, the team that they had he had bet on start losing and fumbling and doing all the stuff that you were expect yeah. not expecting. It's like, oh, okay. I was a, it was a very surprising movie. I wasn't because I don't know. Maybe it's because it's been a long time since I've seen a comedy that really surprised me. But this one really did. It, it went off the beaten track more than once in a good way, in a way a good comedy should, I think. And at the same time, the uh, the story still remained engaging throughout, which is also really weird for me. 
Yeah, it had everything. It had a romantic subplot. It had uh, daring do. They had an action sequence at the end. We, it's like, well, what are it they had talking? a funny animal. Oh boy, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about, talk about these things a little bit afterwards. But mm-hmm. and also surprisingly, this was an R-rated comedy. Well, not surprisingly for the '80s, but it's the uh, it's the language. That's the only reason. The language and some nudity, which if without the language and if it existed, it would have been a PG-13 comedy. But it is inc- it is also very raunchy. I was gonna say incredibly raunchy, but no, that implies not it's even re- raunchy. It's not- there's there are like boob shots, but it's not really like that explicit. Other than, yeah. Other than that one scene, which is really which is man ass. Well, that I'm talking. About, <laughs> I'm talking about the commercial. Oh boy, the commercial. Oh boy, <laughs> that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty blatant. But I don't think it would work otherwise. But it was fun. It was funny. So, what was your highlight of the film? Hmm. My highlight of the film is probably I like how it ramped up. That was one of my favorite things about uh, Anchorman. Was how it got crazier and crazier, how it went along. This kind of did the same thing. I, because I said at the beginning, I was expecting it. Well, I expected, you know, the comedy at the beginning, that was going to be the whole movie, like that kind of humor. But it kind of goes more and more and more and more until you get like the violent guy actually punching out a windshield. Oh, boy. Things yeah. like that. Um, yeah, my highlight of the film, it's like as you were saying, wrapping up. I actually technically have two, but I'm going to call mm-hmm. it the, the big one first. Go ahead. Is that the movie ramps up. Like, you don't know what to expect. It's It goes to, he loses his job. Now he's helping the woman he loves uh, by giving up his dream to become the senator, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then they have to get 250 cars from Mexico to the car lot. It's not Mexico. It's like on the outskirts of yeah. like the near the border. And he has to, they have to get 200 cars. So they get 200 driving students. Yeah. And they race across the... First down the highway, then across the desert in like a, a mad, 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 mad world type of thing. And it just keeps ramping up until you have Kurt Russell yeah. fighting with an old man in the back of a truck, gets knocked off, and then he's leapfrogging from truck to truck, yeah. from vehicle to vehicle to get back to the, to the stupid truck. It's like, wow, that yeah. was a set piece and a half. And the student car lot was brought up several times before that. And yeah, it was called it was constant callbacks to little things in the earlier in the film. It's because I remember at the time there was one scene um, when he was in the bar doing the whole betting thing. So it was kind of at the back of the, it wasn't even the forefront. You of ruined me, Rudy! And I, I mean at the time thinking, why did they put that there? And then later on, oh, that's why they put that there, to remind you that this was a thing. Like I said, it's a very smart written movie. And they're always bringing stuff back in, and the comedy literally comes out of nowhere. Yeah, the comedy builds and builds and builds. And my next... <laughs> my favorite joke in the movie I'm going to say right now is when he's he when High Prices jumps on the car, he's in a, he's in a costume, and he shoots him with a gun, and the way it happens... You have to like, explain that whole scene now. Well, it's just the way it, it, it comes off. Basically, they're... They're filming a scene illegally, I might add, on the on the They've rivals twice. on the rivals lot, and they're shooting out his car. And one of the guys comes out dressed in one of those costumes that says "High Prices," and he shoots him with the gun, and like blood splurts everywhere, and he hits the ground. And the way he reacts to him, like, did he really shoot him? No, the, the way, but the way the <laughs> actor with the gun actor was like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. Was, and like, and then, and then they blew up a car. And it ends with him literally blowing up a car, like the most and insane. blaming it on terrorists. And yeah, on Libyan terrorists. Another callback to what would uh, back to the a future. call forward to Back to the Future? Yeah, because time ends up it, being a thing later on. Time is an endless circle. Things. Are, <laughs> this is apparently a prequel to Back to the Future, but yeah, it was. 
Let me talk about time loops here. Oh, no, sorry, I can't. Not allowed to talk about it anymore. It's just like I said, the way the movie works is like everything has a piece, and it just you never know what's going to happen next. You, you never know what callback they're going to make to to the prior to the movie. So there's always a constant unexpectedness. Yeah. So the other, yeah. my other highlight, I have to call this out. Go ahead. You have to call out good boys in film. <laughs> Toby, the dog played by Peanuts, was the little beagle who could. And who had all the best reaction shots mm-hmm. and a lot of physical comedy that they would do for a dog. The best one being, um, what's his name, Graham, uh, trying to upsell a family on a station wagon. And then he, as he's holding a dog, saying, yeah, no, the dog really likes it. He thinks you should get the car. Oh, you should get the car yeah. and give it a test drive. And then the dog crawls underneath the car, pretends to be play dead. Mm-hmm. And then they put a rock in their head. So it's like they're running over something. And he's like, no, you killed my dog. And the dog's just playing dead. All he wanted was to was driving his car. <laughs> Why'd you have to kill him? Oh my god! And then the dog just opens one eye, like, yeah. oh. And of no, course, he's here. using it against the guy because the guy has a wife and he has kids, and they're all going, You hit the dog! You hit the dog! Oh man. And then they pull out a lot, and then the back thing falls out, and the kids fall in the mud, and they chase the guy. There's all so many little moments with the dog. There's the. Uh, oh man. He's trying to wake up the uh, the mechanic who's sound asleep with a blowtorch on, and so he licks him, doesn't wake him up, turns urinates all over his face and then all you see is the dog run through his dog door and then the, the door goes flying up into pieces as this big burly mechanic comes running out like, I'm gonna kill you why'd you piss on my face ah! and then he sees what was the emergency yeah and then he sees the emergency yeah like you said you never know where it's going and it always spins out of control it's a it's a very fu- it's a very funny comedy and um I don't know what I would say are my lowlights to be quite honest maybe you you would be better at it than I would um, it could have been tighter. Really think so? It could have been tighter. Like, remember I asked you, I'm like, how long is this movie? And it turned out it was like an hour and 30 minutes, and it, but it felt like it was longer. No, it's actually closer to two hours. No, no, I mean, I mean when I asked you this, it was an hour and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I think if it was a solid an, an hour and 40-ish, 45-ish, it would have been a tighter film. It's it just like I said, there was a little lagginess here and there, but as I pointed out to you earlier on in the movie when we were watching it off mic... Mm-hmm. Is that this is the cusp? It's like the seventies, the eighties. So there's an overlap in the pacing, and it's it could just simply be that. I thought it could be slightly tighter, hmm. just just a slight. But it's like all the characters were well cast, all the jokes, most of the majority of the jokes hit. It's just that, like I said, I thought it could have been a tighter story. Somebody was a little free freewheeling hmm. in in some spots. Um, I, guess I could see that. I can't. I, I, there's no performances I can call down. It's like. Um, I was I might say there's a surprising lack of music, but I'm like, no, there is mu- music there, but it's just not overall memorable. But in the scene, it uh, in works. The credit movie. <laughs> the oh God, scene yeah. Scene over the credits is a good was a good one. But yeah, it's kind of I guess yeah maybe my little it would be the music. It doesn't really stack up to the rest of the movie, which is very uh very standout. I had a problem choosing what to to talk about over this one, but. Nothing really in the music really stood out, other than the end credits, which was funny, and it worked. Well, before we give our review, were there any performances other than Dog that stood out to you? Kurt Russell. <laughs> he was really good. Yeah, this is Kurt Russell post the Disney days of uh, doing all the Disney movies. Yeah, this is the, his very first 80s role, and we've already covered several movies he's did in the 80s. He's done in the 80s, and we probably will cover other ones, and he was uh, he was great in this movie. Several. we only done this one and uh, Escape from New York. We literally just put up the episode for... Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Okay, then that's only a few episodes. That's not several. Several implies that we watched more than four. Also, I thought that was Patrick Swayze for a minute. That's why my brain blanked. 
Yeah, because Patrick Swayze and Kurt Russell are very similar to each other. <laughs> and I was just talking about Roadhouse earlier, so it's like, oh yeah, okay. We should probably, so we watched a few. We should probably do Roadhouse at some point as well. But anyway, that was uh, Used Cars. It's So I'm going to go with what I'm rating it first, and it's going to surprise you. I don't think it will. Five stars. Okay, it did surprise me. I was expecting I I honestly think that this is going to be... It's not one of my favorite movies. It's not a top 10, but it might be a, maybe a top 25 type of movie. Like, it's like, a, honestly, it's lower half of the list, of, or the highest part of the list. It's like, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the top quarter of uh, movies I've seen, of comedies anyways, from the 80s. The thing with, uh, with Randy is I do tend to agree with him when he says things about pacing in 70s movies. But on the other hand, I have a weakness for 70s comedies. Um, like I said, with Bill Murray, like Meatballs and stuff. I really like that kind of stuff. And this, to me, is kind of like, the, the nice sweet spot between that and what the 80s comedies were going to be because this in very many ways feels like both of those at the same time which works because it's 1980 like dead on and with that i'm going to give it a five as well i really had a great time with this movie i had i had a blast uh, i was surprised by it honestly i was expecting a good time was, and who's involved this uh Whatchamacallit edition uh, that I had gotten from mm-hmm. Shout Factory, Shout Select, uh, actually, yeah. uh, is actually a pretty well put together Oh, the picture product. quality and the picture sound quality is good. really good. The special effect, the special effects, special features seem to be uh, pretty good there. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten to those yet, but yeah. yeah. but it's like, it's, it's stuff I don't, oh, and it was a new interview, too. So it's a lot of the older stuff. Yeah, like I said, I was expecting a good time, but I was expecting it to be quite that good. Uh, but I maybe I should, considering, uh, like I said, I thought Back to the Future, Romancing the Stone, and Roger Rabbit are all probably five-star movies. This one is up there with them, I think. And it's like I said, it's it's a surprise for me, because like, I literally had not heard of this movie until, when did I start talking about it? Earlier in the year? Yeah. I had heard about it on a podcast. They were talking, they're doing all the 80s films. It was like in their first episode. Mm-hmm. So, maybe even last year, it might have been what it was. So it was the 180s Zemeckis one I hadn't seen, and we were doing this one, and I said, well, we we'll, might as well try this one. I mean, it's like, I have it, so let's watch it. Okay. We might as well do this one, and I'm glad we did. So now I can say without without uh, any hyperbole, Robert Zemeckis was probably the best director of the 80s. <laughs> I don't know, we haven't done all the Joe Dante stuff yet. Oh, he's probably up there too, but... Uh, Robert Zemeckis, like I said. The all, Howling 2, My Girlfriend is a Werewolf. That wasn't Joe Dante, by the way. <laughs> but like I said, the ones uh, I, I mentioned, Used Cars, Romancing the Stone, Back to the Future, 1 to 3, and Roger Rabbit are all pretty great. So this one's up there with them. And with that, um, I think I'm pretty much tapped out on this one. Does <laughs> you look like Charles Grodin on the cover? <laughs> I think I'm pretty tapped out on this one. I think Randy is too. It's been a while since <laughs> I did this type of podcast, not the other types of podcasts. So, so yep. So Everybody, our, our summer movies are going to be a bit uh, different, like this one. So uh, get used to it. Like the next episode, it will be more probably more in our wheelhouse, but also just as a weird of a selection. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to be bizarre. And with that, we'll see you next time, everybody, when we continue our cruise through the non-canon catalog. Yep, because this was be. actually you gotta, we got to change it. Because remember, it's this is a non-canonical adventure. So so join us as we adventure forth through the jungles of non-canon on yet another non-canonical adventure of JD and Randy. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. Fighting high prices, not only by murdering high prices, but by blowing the living shit out of high prices. Yes, sir, you heard me right. Now, here's an example. 1973 Cadillac Coupe de Ville for $62.99. That price is too high. Yes, sir.
Now remember, friends. Look out, Marshal Lucky. It's high prices. Take this, you dirty old high prices. You got me, Marshal. Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. 